Hey everyone, it is such a privilege to be with you again at the start of 2021 and it has been a seriously roller coaster start to the year, uh, but I'm excited and expectant nevertheless. God is on the throne, nothing takes him by surprise. His kingdom is not of this world and he has a purpose for you and for I, for myself, in his great story, in this short moment in history in which we live. And so let's not waste it. My greatest prayer for each of us uh, in 2021 is that this would be a year where we live out what God has called us to, regardless of what events look like, regardless of what's happening around us. And just a little bit of direction for you in terms of where we're going in the next few weeks in terms of preaching. So Ian is going to continue with Ephesians. He's got a few more to do on that. I've got a one-off that I'm doing today and then I'm going to be starting a short New Testament book as well next week. We're going to do that uh, one week on, one week off. Uh, we may have a few guest speakers in between and then pending when we can meet together again in uh, larger gatherings and larger groups as a church, then we may go into a different series. But we'll keep you updated on that. And so what I want to speak on today, which I really feel the Holy Spirit has laid on my heart the past few weeks, I've been so challenged uh, by myself in the process, is I want to talk on Christ-centered kingdom conversations that change the atmosphere. So Christ-centered kingdom conversations that change the atmosphere around us. And so if you have your Bibles, I would love you to turn to Luke 24. We're going to be starting in verse 13. And in some of your uh, Bibles, it may be entitled The Emmaus Disciples or The Road to Emmaus. We're going to read this together and then we're going to dive into some points on the back of it. And so to give you just a little bit of context, Jesus has died. He's risen again. Uh, Mary Magdalene and a number of um, other ladies have gone to the tomb early in the morning on that third day and the tomb is empty. They've been met by angels uh, uh, to say, hey, listen, he's actually risen. This is what he said was going to happen. They've raced back um, to tell other disciples and followers of Christ and no one's really believed them in the process. And now two of these who've heard about what's happened are now taking a walk. Two of these followers of Christ taking a walk. So we'll read together Luke 24 verses 13 to 35. This is what it says. Now that same day, two of them were on their way. So this is two followers of Jesus were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. So uh, what's that? That's about 10 kilometers. Together, they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Then he asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one man, the one named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? What things? He asked them, pretending that he doesn't know. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the woman had said, but they didn't see him. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. 
wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. They came near the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going a little further. But they urged him, please stay with us because it's almost evening and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them gathered together, who said, The Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of bread. Let me pray for us quickly. Holy Spirit, as we look at this passage and what it means to us today in January 2021, I ask Holy Spirit that you would come in a powerful way, whether it's watching in our living rooms, families by ourselves, watching on a phone, watching on a TV. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would challenge us, that you would instruct us. You would make us more like you and help us to live out the call that you have on each of our lives. Your powerful name we pray. Amen. Okay, so there's a little bit of the story. Now, I'm going to go through it in a sort of methodical fashion, and I want to draw out a few points as we go in the process, and then we're going to apply right at the end how we can live this out in 2021. So, this same day, these two men were on their way to the village. Now, these two men knew Jesus. They had walked with him before he died and rose again. They were Christ followers, and they were discussing the events of Jesus' death and resurrection. They didn't well, they sort of had a problem believing the ladies. They weren't quite sure what had happened with Jesus. And they were pretty perplexed because they expected Jesus, as they shared there, to redeem Israel. They expected him to be king. And although he had been telling them he was going to die and he was going to be raised again, it just didn't happen in the way that they expected. And this death of Christ would have been the talk of the town. So it would have been everyone talking about it. If there was a news outlet in Jerusalem, around Jerusalem, that's what they would have been saying. Read all about it. You know, Jesus is, uh, his, his body's gone. It's disappeared. The Roman God would have been in, in terror because of this body that had gone missing. People would have been saying, but we follow Jesus. What's happened? Where has he gone? This would have been, as, as far as in today's context, a global event. It was that huge, this event of Jesus dying, being crucified, and his body not being there anymore. It would have been a huge scandal. Everyone would have been in discussion. There would have been disagreements about what happened. It would have been a dramatic scene. No one had all the facts. Everyone was trying to work it out for themselves. And this is where we're picking up the story. So let's think about your conversation and mine over the past few weeks and months around the major global events of our time. That was of their time. What about of our time? What about the events of COVID-19, the U.S. elections, the lockdowns in our nation and beyond, to name a few? Has there been any discussion or argument in your household, with your friends, with people you agree with and disagree with? There most definitely has come from my lips a number of discussions, arguments, disagreements, frustrations. So I believe we're in a very similar boat as these men were. They were discussing and confused about a big event of their time, a global event of their time. 
obviously the greatest global event with Jesus dying and rising again, but we're in the same sort of place. There is huge global events happening all around that are affecting everyone. We're in the same boat. But now Jesus arrives on the scene. So they're having this discussion. And then it says, verse 15, while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. I love that phrase. He came near. It's, it's sort of repeated or echoed in Ephesians 2 where it says, by the blood of Christ, um, we have been brought near to him. But Jesus comes near to us. He comes near to us when we're confused. He comes near to us when we aren't sure what's happening. He comes near. So I don't know what's happening in your life. We, I, I don't know what struggles you're dealing with. But I want you to know that he comes near. He draws near to us while we aren't sure what's happening. And it says there, but he, uh, he began to walk along with them, but they were prevented from recognizing him. Now, I believe that it wasn't that he looked absolutely completely different because we see later that their eyes were opened and they saw who he was. So yes, he, he, he sort of hid himself in a way, but, but he was a person. They, they knew him as a person talking with him. So I also have a feeling that he did hide himself. There was some supernatural element to it, but he was also the last person they expected to be talking to. Their whole conversation was before was, but, but where's he gone? You know, his body's not there anymore. We don't really know what's happened. We, we thought he was going to be the king. They didn't really believe he was risen again to life. And so they weren't really looking out for him. And, and we need to be a people who are looking out to see what Jesus is doing. Even if it seems in the situation, he is nowhere to be found. But how funny is this? How did he just sneak up on them without them having any knowledge of it? You see, they were so caught up in their arguments and disagreements that they didn't even ask them the question of, Hey, buddy, where did you actually come from? How did you get here? We've, we've been talking. Where, where did you come from? Did you pop out from a, a bush? Are you living just on the side of the road? Or, or maybe do you have some of those high-profile, super silent sandals, those desert sandal brand that, 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 that no one can hear you when you walk up behind? You know, how did they not even process this? I just find it really funny that they didn't even ask him that question. So anyway, in the process... He then asked them, what's this dispute, verse 17, that you're having with each other as you're walking? Ask them, why are you guys so frustrated? Why are you so angry about this situation? Now, of course, he knows the answer, right? He's God. So he's asking them this question to get them to process, to get them to answer for themselves. You see, Jesus has a knack of asking us questions that he already knows the answer to. And he knows that us processing that answer will jolt us out of maybe the way we're thinking, will jolt us out of the sort of the place that we're in and get us to think the way that he thinks, to make us act the way that he would act. So maybe take, for example, myself, and this happens all the time in Zimbabwe. If you live here, this is exactly what you know, terrible driving. So maybe I'm coming up behind someone, they're clearly on their phone, they're weaving all over the place, they're driving at 20 k's an hour or they're going at 1.40 through red traffic lights, whatever the story is, or maybe you're at a shop and the teller just couldn't care less about you. As you're walking towards them, they put that beautiful sign in front of you, you know, the one that, that says, you know, out of order or till busy. And you're just like, but I've been waiting here for like five, you know, five people to come. Nope, sorry, till shut, go somewhere else. You know, maybe one of those sorts of situations you're in. And then suddenly I feel the Lord saying to me, Craig, what do you think I'm trying to teach you in this process? And I'm like, of course, Lord, you're not trying to teach me anything. These people are just nutcases. You know, they shouldn't be on earth type thing. You know, I get sort of angry about the process. And then maybe I'll hear him nudge me again saying, 
what do you think might be happening in that person's life right now? Why do you think they're having a bad day? Why do you think they're driving the way that they're driving? Or maybe he might say, well, Craig, how, how, how would I act in this situation? How would I live in the situation? And I'm, I sort of just stand there, get a bit angry with the Lord sometimes. And I'm like, well, don't ask me these questions. I know exactly how you would act in the process. I know exactly how I'm supposed to act, but I'm just venting and getting it out. But Jesus asked these questions and he asked these men this question because he wants to jolt us into thinking the way he thinks. He wants to jolt us into having his perspective. But these guys just launch into it. And Jesus doesn't mind. He doesn't mind if we rant. He doesn't mind if we talk about our struggles with him. They launch into the process. And they say, we're discussing this. We're worried about the things that happened in Jerusalem. Haven't you heard about the whole process? And Jesus obviously acts like he's really interested. Oh, wow, I didn't, I didn't know that. I've never heard about this. What sort of things they go through the process. Notice, and this is really interesting. Notice what they say in verse 19. A few things I picked up as I went through this. He says, Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet. Now, Jesus told them who he was told them he was the son of God. Why are they saying that he was just a prophet? Well, I think they were struggling with a little bit of disbelief as to who he was. Goes on a bit, bit further and uh, it says, but um, verse 21, but we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. You can see they're struggling to go, we, we thought he was someone, but maybe he is someone else. Circumstances hadn't turned out as they had expected. So they were struggling to believe God. How often do you and I struggle to believe God's close struggle to believe he is who he said he is when circumstances seem to point otherwise? Their conversation was on all the negative of how things looked in the physical, but they didn't realize that there was another reality at play in the world then and that he was in their presence right there. They just didn't realize it yet. Don't you love how Jesus doesn't interrupt? He knows everything, right? But he just lets them go for it. He lets them speak. And God is so patient with you and I. God is so patient with us. He knows our struggles. He knows our trials. You can speak to him about it. It's okay. He can handle it. And then in a way that only Jesus can, verse 25, he says to them, how foolish you are. And I'm sure he said it in a loving tone. I'm sure he said it in a very kind tone. But, but, but in, his, in the only way that Jesus can, he spoke how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Absolutely amazing. Jesus spoke with authority. He spoke with love. He spoke with strength. And he spoke with clarity, but he tells them the true reality. He says, this is what the situation might look like for you right now, but I want to tell you what it's really like. The person that spoke to them, you'll notice that here, he wasn't weird or strange. He was normal. He was clear. He was compelling and he was loving. He was strong. Friends, I want to tell you that Jesus wants to explain to you and I right now what's really happening. He wants to show us and others what's really happening in the world today. None of this has taken him by surprise. He's in absolute control. He is courageous. He is clear. He is, has authority. He has love. And he is speaking from his perspective. He wants to tell you how to live and act through this time that we're living in. And he is telling us. 
He's laid out His purpose for our lives in Scripture to go and make disciples. That never changes. He's shown us that in the whole process. He is clear. He is loving. But are we listening? Are we listening to what He's saying to us today? And then later during dinner, this amazing uh, uh, process where He opens their eyes and they suddenly realize who He is. And one of my favorite phrases in all of Scripture, particularly in Luke, is as they, they're talking, verse 32, he goes on, their eyes were opened, they recognized him, and then suddenly he disappears from sight because he's risen, he could. Verse 32, they said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? Don't you love that phrase, weren't our hearts burning within us? Didn't we feel the atmosphere on the road suddenly was different? This man appeared, he spoke to us, and whilst he was talking like a normal man, suddenly the atmosphere changed. Didn't we feel there's a different weight? There was a heaviness to the conversation. Things changed as he spoke. We realized this was no normal conversation. There was another dimension to the process. There is a depth that we couldn't quite explain. I want you to take a moment. Think back on a conversation you've had. Think back maybe on a sermon that you've listened to, maybe a video that you've watched that had a significant impact on your life. Maybe it had a greater weight to it. There was a heaviness to the conversation. And without a shadow of a doubt, you just knew that God was there. The room felt different. Maybe you were all alone. Maybe you're just watching a video. Maybe you're watching someone talk. And, and as they spoke, you just knew that God's presence was there. The Holy Spirit had come. Maybe it was a conversation you had with someone before you came to Christ. And it was a conversation that made you process and explore further. Maybe you're watching today and you don't know the Lord. Maybe you're exploring faith. And what's got you to watch this today is a conversation that you've had that, that sort of urged and nudged you to explore just a little bit further. There have been many over my lifetime. There's been DVD talks that I've listened to. One of the ones I can remember is a man called Louis Giglio came out with a DVD talk called Indescribable. And I remember the first time I watched it, I just watched that DVD and, and, and I couldn't describe the feeling of God's presence in that process. I've had small group meetings where God comes in a powerful way and we just don't really speak for ages. We, no one wants to say anything because God's presence was there. I've had one-on-one -on -one conversations with friends where we're talking, but suddenly we both realize this isn't just a natural conversation. God's doing something and, and it's a special conversation. So you think back on those conversations in the past. And I want to ask you, when was the last time you had a conversation or listened to a message where it was clear that God's presence was there? When was the last time? How often has that happened recently as you've spoken about COVID? You've spoken about US elections. You've spoken about lockdowns. How many times each day is the flavor of your conversations about these global events from a Christ-centered perspective? Would the language of your social media posts and WhatsApp forwards show everyone that you're living for a different kingdom? Would it leave other people's hearts burning with a sense of, oh my goodness, I, I spoke with that person and my, my heart's burning. There's something happening within because of the conversation that I had with that person. Friends, 
The world is in desperate need of an encounter with the risen Lord Jesus. They're in desperate need for Holy Spirit-fueled conversations that bring the nagging sense of emptiness and brokenness to the surface so that it can be discussed further. This is a matter of life or death. We're called to be light in the darkness. We're called to be salt, adding flavor to society. Is it evident in your life and mine? So how do we regularly experience heart-burning, Christ-centered kingdom conversations that truly change the atmosphere, that are going to change the atmosphere of your business meetings this week? They're going to change the atmosphere in your family this week. They're going to change the atmosphere when you meet a stranger this week or, or a friend who doesn't know Christ this week. A few quick points before I close. Firstly, make it a priority this year and beyond to spend time in God's presence sit at his feet, worship him as king, wait for his voice and enjoy him, make it a priority, whether you get up early in the morning or you don't, whether you have quiet time or not, turn off that phone, put it away, spend time in God's presence, that's the starting point to live this life he's called us to, secondly, Bring the Lord into conversations and bringing him into conversations isn't about being super weird, super spiritual, strange. It should be everyday life for us. When Jesus spoke, it was electric. People wanted to be around him all the time, but he was talking about things of the kingdom all the time. He was telling stories, but his focus all the time was about God's kingdom. He spoke with authority he spoke with love and he spoke in a way that people could understand, but they felt something deep within them. If we're Christ followers, we belong to a different kingdom. We walk to a different beat. We live for a different realm. Our perspective is not of this world. Embrace it and live it. Ask God for ways that in conversations with your family, with your spouse, with your kids, with your colleagues, where you can bring in his perspective his perspective on authority and love into situations. Remind yourself of this. Be aware of the traps of the enemy. He will drive you towards judgmental attitudes. Attitudes of, shame those guys just don't get it. They just, they just don't understand things the way that I do. He'll drive us to purposeless conversations about things that don't matter, to fixing our eyes on earthly things and focusing on what society is focusing on rather than what he is doing. So put on your Ephesians 6 armor and continually assess your words. Are they flavored with hope and full of the love of Christ? This is a challenge to me just as much as to you. The final encouragement, when the risen Christ was revealed to those men, it led to a greater impact. They started to live out what God had called them to. The Holy Spirit came and they started to see churches planted and they started to see their resources put in, in uh, into things that God cared about. It led to great impact in the lives of the disciples and many coming to faith. So I want to encourage you that when you live out God's perspective, when you start to have these Christ-centered kingdom conversations, when you let it fuel and change and transform your life and invade every aspect of life, transformation will happen. You will experience those moments where time seems to stand still. You'll see friends come to faith. You'll see businesses transform. The miraculous will take place. Lives will be changed and this is worth fighting for. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you're the only one who can change us. You're the only one who can burn deep within our hearts. I pray for each person tuning in, for each person listening. I pray that we would be people 
who live out your call in our lives, that we would speak Christ-centered kingdom conversations that change atmospheres this week, this month, and this year ahead. I pray that we would have this, this hope-flavored, this, this salty conversation that transforms lives and hearts. I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would, you would help us think through what we say, what we share, what we write about, what we speak, that we would speak from your perspective. And as a result, in this time, even in this lockdown process, people would see you. Your powerful name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for being with us. Um, I'll be praying for you. We'll be praying for you as a team as you live this out. And we're really expecting what God is going to do during this lockdown process in our hearts and in others and in the rest of the year. So thanks so much for joining us and have a brilliant day.